Yes, amen. We are certainly glad you are here today. Wasn't that good music today? I, did, you hear the, did you hear the theme of desperation? Did you hear the urgency of, of Christ? And boy, what a great job the team did. Hope you enjoyed the new song there uh, in the video, uh, talking about you know, praying in Jesus' name. And that's what we want to talk about uh, today is prayer. Hey, there's a rumor going around um, that the football team took down DeCoin Friday night. Is that, yes, is that true? Woohoo! Come on now. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Hello. Yeah, that, that helps me today because um, Notre Dame did not take down Ohio State. <laughs> Jamal, that wasn't kind. That wasn't kind. All right, but anyway, yeah, I, they were leading like 10 to 7 at halftime. I said, okay, all right, that's cool. And then, and then Ohio State came and, like, you know, scored, and I said, okay, that's it. And sure enough, I went and studied my sermon. was <laughs> more profitable. And, uh, yeah, and then I woke up this morning, checked the score, and I think it's 44-28 or something like that. But anyway, so, oh, well, that's the that's way the cookie crumbles. All right, that's the way they pass the ball. That's the way you hit the home run. That's the way you shoot the hoops. That's the way you look at the sermon. All right, a match made in heaven. So here we are. So last week, you might be th- thinking like, you know, okay, when you did the apples of gold thing, I wondered what that was all about, you know, and well, you probably are wondering, what in the world does a match made in heaven have to do with biblical mindset training or the armor of God um, for that fact? And I'm really excited about the truths we're going to teach um, today. It's about prayer, okay, and it's about the Word of God. Very, very excited about it. Well, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Um, our, our <laughs> I should not have thought about Archimedes. That's kind of hard for me to say. Archimedes was born in some like, like 287 B.C., and he was one of the smartest men uh, around at that time, a very smart scientist, and he said something, and you might remember it. Here's what it was. Uh, well, you've heard of it. You didn't remember it. You know, give me a lever long enough and a fulcrum on which to place it, and I shall move the world. He said, if you'll give me a lever, I think seesaw, a lever long enough, okay, and a fulcrum for which to place it, I can move the world. There is power with a lever. There's power with leverage. Well, Ian Bounds comes along then and ties it in. You'll see where this ties in. He says this, The Word of God, the Word of God is the fulcrum upon which the lever of prayer is placed and by which things are mightily moved. In other words, you know, he is saying, Bounds is saying that the Word of God is the fulcrum. Imagine this, okay? And the lever, this lever is the, the, the prayer, is prayer, okay? And when you put those two things together, when you put the Word of God and prayer together, uh, things are mightily moved. And that's what we want to talk about today. We want to talk about how the Word of God combined with prayer becomes a very, very powerful force. Now, I've got a couple of quotes I want to throw in about prayer because they were just, just so good. Um, first off was one by Oswald Chambers, and he, he wrote um, My Utmost for His Highest. And he said this, prayer does not fit, um, modern language, prayer does not prepare us for the greater work. Prayer is the greater work. Now, I want you to write that down if you're taking notes. If you've got the worship event open, I want you to highlight that. It should be on a slide in that. I want you to highlight that. Prayer does not prepare us for the greater work. Prayer is the greater work. And then Hudson Taylor, and Hudson Taylor was the the, uh, father of modern missions. He said, 
when we work, we work. When we pray, God works. Yeah, see, one of, the prob- one of the problems in the church today, in America, particularly in Western culture, because we have so many resources and so much cash and so many programs and so many buildings and so many this and so many that, we can do ministry without God. A lot of churches, listen, it's often been said the Holy Spirit could never show up in the worship service of many churches and Christians wouldn't even know it. Wouldn't even know it. So we are in a dangerous place in America. We need to remember, when we work, yeah, work gets done. Churches can pull it off. But when we pray, when we pray, God works. How strong and how powerful is that? Well, here we are. We're, um, we're at the last part of Ephesians chapter 6 with our series, Biblical Mindset Training. And, and by the way, we're not done because the next two weeks... Starting next week and next week, we tied in same theme, biblical mindset training. But we go back and tag in the last two messages um, from Elijah um, that deal with the psychological warfare when Satan messes with our brain. And then, then we're going to talk about overcoming disappointment and discouragement. And then on the 25th of September, we're going to wrap it all up uh, from 2 Timothy chapter 6, uh, quoting General Douglas MacArthur, old soldiers don't die. And we're going to talk about how well Paul finished um, his life. So I'm looking forward to the next uh, three weeks that we've got after today. But I want to take the time, okay, I want to take the time to go over one more time what we've talked about over the last, what, eight weeks? Um, We talked about how we need to be certain that we belong to Jesus. Church won't get you to heaven. Good works won't get you to heaven. Um, Being good won't get you to heaven. The, the way to heaven is one, Jesus said it in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. Your denomination does not matter to God, okay? What matters is your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Then we talked about the enemy, and we've discovered and we taught that the enemy is not sitting next to you. Bigger news, you're not married to the enemy. And if you're a mother, you didn't give birth to the enemy. The enemy is Satan. Plain and simple. So we learned and we talked about that. And then we went into the armor of God um, and we talked about the, the belt of truth. All right. And remember, we learned two important things, especially in this culture today. Um, we learned about relative truth. And what it simply means is this. We live in a culture where people determine what is true. You may tell someone, well, I, I believe the, well, the Bible says this. And they say, great, you believe the Bible, I don't. So that might be your truth, but it's not my truth. And, and with that thought, people do some of the strangest things, and they expect you to understand and say, hey, that's what I believe. That's my truth. That's my truth. We believe in absolute truth, and absolute truth is the Word of God. We learned that the Bible um, does not con- just contain truth. It is truth. From flaps to maps, it is truth, okay? So we learned that. Then we learned about the breastplate or the plate of righteousness. And we learned the fallacy of self-righteousness, that somehow we can be good enough, we can impress God if we do enough right stuff. We learned that was not true. In fact, it's a dangerous thing. And and then we learned about the the imputed righteousness. And what that means is, is that, you know, imagine yourself, you're on a playground, and the kid says, I'll trade this lunch for that lunch. Well, Jesus simply said this, I will take your sin and I'll give you my righteousness. That's how you're going to heaven. You are not going to heaven on what you do. Okay, it's God, Jesus, what he did. So we learned about the breastplate of righteousness and we learned about righteousness. We learned about shoes. It really wasn't shoes as much as it was the readiness. 
Be, be prepared to share the gospel with the people around you. But, but more importantly, more applicable perhaps, was we taught about the idea of being ready for the next chapter. You know, Brent and I were chatting in, in the office, and you know, he talked about it. He said, Wayne says, you know, I'm kind of wondering uh, what the next chapter is for me, you know? And I said, Brent, you know I've been wondering that. You know, both of us are just a little bit older in years, and you kind of wonder, okay, God, what do you have next after this? What's the next chapter? Well, that's a really, really important question, and we need to be ready for whatever that is. I remind you, I didn't, first service didn't get this one. You know, we have hanging in our house this little sign about this big. You know what it says? God, before you ask, the answer is yes. That's a good place for an amen. God, before you ask, the answer is Yes, the answer is yes. So, so we talked about being ready. We talked about the, the shield of faith. We talked about how it quenches the fiery darts. And we remember we talked about how God operates in the currency of faith. Okay? He doesn't operate by sight. He operates, operates by faith. Um, we learned that it's impossible to please God without faith. And the shield of faith can quench all the fiery darts of the evil one. Then we talked about, you know, the helmet of salvation and, and you know, how it protects our mind. It's important to protect our mind. And we protect our mind with this idea of salvation. We look back in our past, if you trusted Jesus, and you had this date when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. It was, a, it was like a moment in time you put your faith and trust in Jesus. You know, we were saved. And then we learned about this idea of being, being, being saved, being saved sanctification. The whole thing, from the moment you trust Jesus to the moment you take your last breath or the rapture happens, God spends his entire time working on you, are you ready, to become more like Jesus. Not to make you happy, not to make you rich, to make you like Jesus. That's what he's doing. You often want to go, God, what are you doing in my life? He's making you like Jesus. That's what he does. It's called sanctification. And then one day, we'll, we'll, we will ultimately be saved, and that's when we're saved in the presence of sin and called glorification. We're going to heaven. We're going to heaven. So that's what we learned about the helmet of salvation. And, and, then, and then we talked you know, last week about the sword of the Spirit. All right, the Word of God is living, it's dynamic, it's alive. Um, again, such a powerful, powerful weapon, the only weapon um, that God gives us. And then today, without missing a beat, without missing a beat, Paul jumps into prayer. And the reason why, perhaps, 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 the most important element of the armor of God, the the most important element for BMT, for biblical mindset training, is prayer. Is prayer. prayer. Prayer does not get the rap it deserves. It doesn't get the press time that it deserves. And we're going to spend a chunk of our time today... It worked out in first service. Let's see if it happens this time. Okay? We talked about prayer itself. Okay? And then we talked about how we wed the Word of God to prayer and the power uh, that is that. Now, we jump in to Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 18 right here. Okay? We're going to divide Ephesians 6, 18 into three parts. Let, Let me take just a moment and read the whole verse to you. Okay? Because in your notes, you don't have it all together. Let me read it to you. Um... Pray at all times, Paul said, pray at all times in the Spirit with every prayer and request. And stay alert with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. Isn't it amazing? See how many times you use the word all there? It's all like inclusive. It's important. Let me read one more time. Pray at all times in the Spirit with every prayer and request and stay alert with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. So let's jump into this. We see, we see a time when, but we also see a 
how. We see a when and we see a how. Pray at all times in the Spirit. We are to be a people of prayer. And if we make it all the way to the end, if we make it to the caboose, we're going to go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse number 17, where Paul says, pray constantly. Pray constantly. We are, just like, again, the song we sang today, you are the air that I breathe. So prayer is. Prayer is to be so essential in our lives that we simply can't do without it. We need to pray. Now, um, our teaching point says this. If you are too busy to pray, you are just too busy. If you are too busy to pray, you are just too busy. Because prayer is one of those things that's absolutely essential. Now, I will say this. Now, listen carefully. Don't get your feelings hurt, okay? This is very obvious when we start understanding prayer bigger than, hey, God, I need this, I need a healing, I need a job, I need a pay raise, I need my car fixed. You know, it can move beyond just a Jesus, hi, it's Dwayne again, and here's what I need. If we can get bigger than that, then we start understanding this. We start understanding that God wants to work in a big way in his kingdom and in our lives. This makes all the sense in the world. You know, someone said, not me, someone said that if Satan cannot make you sin, he'll make you busy. If Satan cannot make you sin, he will make you busy. Because Satan knows a busy Christian won't have time for God. And if we don't have time for God, we are in deep weeds. And if we don't have time for prayer, we are in deep weeds. Now, I'm going to say something, and I think you'll understand why in just a moment. Um, I'm going to jump in with this because I want you to get it. You know, I want you to know um, that this pastor, your senior pastor, wants to stand before you and tell you that Dwayne Taylor, 99.9% of the time, has a quiet time every single day. Dwayne, are you bragging? Absolutely not. I am telling you that what I teach, I practice. And you need to know that. You need to know that. So, so 99% of the time, I have a quiet time. And... 99% of the time, there is a prayer time involved with my quiet time. Dwayne, are you bragging? Absolutely not. I want you to know what the pastor is teaching you today, the pastor is practicing in his life. I have experienced it. I went through, and I didn't share this in first service. Man, my first early years in ministry, I was working full-time. I was pastoring full-time, and my quiet time was just not a priority. And I remember, so oh boy, do I remember getting on my face before God on Saturday night and Sunday morning, begging him, begging him to bless whatever I could do that day because I knew I had not even talked to him all week. So I know the danger of not praying, and I know the power of praying. You know, like, like so many old people, um, and not just old people, not just old people, but like so many of us who are senior adults, we take pills. We take pills. I got like seven or eight pills I take a day. And most of them don't matter. You know, I got the fish oil and the vitamin C and the senior adult over 55 vitamin. Pop them suckers. Don't know if I do it or not. Okay. I've got the little aspirin that thins my blood. And I've got this little pill that, that controls my, my blood pressure and my cholesterol. I got those down. None of those, none of those on, in of themselves make a difference in my day. But there's one pill I take. And it's a pill that works on my rhythm and heart rate. And trust me, if I don't take that pill, I know it. I know it. It's good for 26 hours. 
Okay, so, so I can go two hours over, and I'm pretty good. But about hour 27, I start getting a flutter in my heart, and my heart rate starts climbing, often well over 100. And you know what I know? Oh, no. Did I take my pill today? I don't say pills because the rest of them really don't matter, but that one pill matters. Did I take my pill today? If I don't take my pill, I know it. Well, let me tell you this right now. I know it when I don't pray. I'm just going gonna, gonna to be honest with you. I will sit there. I, <laughs> it's true confession time. You know, sometimes I get busy. You know, I do get busy, and, and like I'll do a funeral or something, and I'll be working on the funeral, you know, getting it all ready. And I show up for the funeral, and I go, <gasps> did I pray this morning? It's like, oh, no. The last, you know, you don't want to stand up and talk in front of people without prayer. Trust me. And I'm saying, God, you know, forgive me for not praying. Father, it wasn't intentional. And, man, we have a quick conversation right then. I can tell it. When, when I'm sitting there, and, and really doesn't, it's not the circumstances, okay, but it's how I handle the circumstances. And, and I can tell by the way I handle circumstances if I prayed or not. Because my prayer life, and woohoo, my prayer life impacts my ability to handle circumstances. And when I start making a mess of the day, I realize I forgot to pray. When I, that rhymes. When I make a mess of the day, I know I forgot to pray. How about you? How about you? I know. I know. I know. So, if you're too busy to pray, you're just too busy. So, so, so then Martin Luther comes along and says this. The less I pray the harder it gets. And I, can I just tell you it's true? Can, can, will you listen to your pastor? You know, we think you know, preachers get a pass on this kind of stuff. No, we don't. And I'm just telling you, when Dwayne isn't praying, it gets hard. It gets really hard. You know, we were in England, and I, we were walking to the church one day. We had to walk like eight-tenths of a mile to get there. And I looked at Jen and went, oh, no. And she said, What? I said, I forgot to put on deodorant. Well, it's a big deal to me. So I'm sitting there going, oh, no. And she goes, it'll be okay. I said, Judy, it won't be okay. Trust me. Because if Dwayne, I mean, you may be one of those blessed people, you don't stink. Okay, I do. And if Dwayne doesn't put on deodorant, he has a stinky day. You know what else Dwayne's learned? When Dwayne doesn't pray, he has a stinky day. Now, now you may not know this, okay, because maybe, maybe somehow you've, like me earlier, you've managed to get through life without a regular prayer time. But trust me, trust me, if you were to listen to the advice today and pick up and start having a prayer time, you will miss it when you don't do it. You'll miss it when you don't do it. So, so we, are, we are to be sure and we are to pray at all times. And then we're to pray, check, check this out, in the Spirit. In the Spirit. Look at Romans 8.26. Romans 8.26. This is such a powerful, powerful verse. Now, it says, and the Holy Spirit, and the Holy, this is Paul writing, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. Wow. See, it's not only just this one I'm fixing to talk about. The Holy Spirit helps us all the time. See, see, if you're, you know, you can understand that you can't live the Christian life. Did you know that? 
You can't live the Christian life. You know, you can't save yourself and you can't live the Christian life. You don't know it, but the times when you seem to, boy, I'm, I, I think I'm getting it right. It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is working through you and in you to live the Christian life. So Paul says you need to understand something. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. And of all the things, of all the things he could have chosen to use as an example, guess what he uses as an example? Prayer. Prayer. For example, he says, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. Really? Yeah. Yeah. See, see the reason we often struggle our prayer life, because we try to do it. We try to do it. Okay, and we don't get it right. You know, the, you know, have you ever figured out why the disciples looked at Jesus one day and said, Hey, would you teach us to pray like John taught his disciples to pray? And what they're saying is, you know, this came from Andy Stanley a long time ago. He said, Jesus, we've tried this prayer thing and we're not good at it. And folks, I'm here to tell you, Paul says, we're not good at it. So what does God do? He sends us a little helper. We don't know what God wants us to pray for, but but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. He, the Holy Spirit knows the will of God. And, we, and according to 1 John chapter 5, you know, he said, when we pray in accordance with God's will, we know that he hears us. So the Holy Spirit comes along and prays for us, and he knows the will of God. It's a radical change. So we need to be sure, you know, pray at all times. We need to pray constantly, but we need to pray in the Spirit. We need to pray, say, acknowledge the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, thank you, that, thank you that you are praying with me today. Thank you that, Holy Spirit, thank you that when I don't get it right, you do. You do. It is a game changer. Come on, can we be honest? Most of us don't pray because nothing happens. Most of us don't pray because we feel like we're talking to the ceiling fan. We feel like when we get done, them suckers are still floating around in that room. When you start understanding praying at all times, the importance of it, and then praying in the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is working with you, that goes away. You've got the promise, you've got the promise, you've got the promise of God's Word that the Holy Spirit is working on our behalf. So we are to pray... At all times, that's when, in the Spirit, and that is how. Then he goes on in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 18, the second part, okay? He goes a little bit further, and he says, with every prayer and request. With every, yeah, I'll get that slide up for me, please. Okay? With every prayer and request. Now, this is big. This is big, okay? Now, the word every prayer there, I know it's translated in, in at least one or two translations, every kind of prayer. Every kind of prayer. So, so we pray all times in the Spirit with all kinds of prayers and requests. Okay, so what does that mean? Our, our teaching point says it really well. It's, again, I don't like necessarily coffee cup theology, but this is another one of the good ones. We talk about faith, you know, forsaking all I trust him, fear, false evidence appearing real. This is another one. A simple guide for prayer, a simple guide for prayer is to remember the acronym ACTS. Remember the acronym ACTS. Again, this is not original with me. This stands for adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. See, so often we don't know. We, we, I don't know what to say. I mean, I've got God on the line. I've got God on the line, and God, I don't know what to say. This will help you. 
Start out your prayer time with adoration, with worship. Tell God how wonderful He is. Tell God how you think, how you think He hung the moon. Because He did. Okay, that's best of God. Yeah, yeah. Just spend some time worshiping God Almighty. Okay, start out with that. Then, then we come to this confession. Okay, and that's not quite complete. Confession means that we are agreeing with God. We're agreeing with God. So, so we're confessing our sin. We're going, hey God, I lied yesterday, and I want you to know I lied, and I want you to know I agree with you, it's wrong. Okay, confession. But there's another part that didn't fit in with the Acts part, and that's repentance. Repentance. Confession means agreeing with God. And we, you know, we do that pretty good. Andrew, we do that pretty good. You know, we, we often, you know, we agree with God. Let's go one step further, which is correct, and repent, which means to turn away from. So, so we're going to tell God that we've got that lying problem going on in our lives. But we're going to tell him this. Father, not only do I confess it to you, I turn away from it and choose to follow you. Amen? You got that? You got that? So, so you have adoration, okay? You have confession, repentance. Then you got thanksgiving. Now, you trust me on this one. You can't thank God for everything he's done. You ain't got that much time. So, so as, as things come to your heart, Okay, just tell him thank you. Thank you for his salvation, uh, for his grace, for his mercy, for his wife, uh, for your wife and for your children and for your husband. Thank you for the job you got. Thank you for the house you live in, the cars you drive. Thank you for the food you got to eat and you got money to buy the food. And go on and on and on and on and on and on. So be sure and send some time with thanksgiving. And then comes the supplication. That, that's where you're going to talk about, about the needs. Talk to God about the needs in your life. Let him know, Father, I know, I know these are the needs that I see, and I want you to know two things. I know, one, you are able to meet those needs, and two, I trust you to meet those needs as you see fit. Okay? So that's what Acts kind of looks like. This is one way we can pray. Now, Paul talks about, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, wow, what another great, great verse. He says, now, now watch this, don't worry about anything. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Now, that's worth the price of admission. That alone is worth walking through the rain to get in the building today. Don't worry about anything. Say that with me. Don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. Pray about everything. Wow! How life-changing. And when you start understanding you know, that prayer, how big prayer is, how, how, how powerful it is, this makes all the sense in the world. It makes all the sense in the world. But see, and, and we kind of get it backwards. We kind of like to say, don't pray about anything. Instead, worry about everything. Can I have an amen? Come on, we all know it's true. Where do you think I got this gray hair from? Me and Charlie Holland were comparing hairlines and hair colors. And, well, we got a lot going on together. I said, Charlie, we got something in common, dude. Okay, so, so where does that come from? It comes about worrying instead of praying. So Paul says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Now, the cool part is, what did Jesus say one time? He said, God already knows what you need. You're just agreeing with him. Hey, God, I need this, and you know I need this. It's just simply agreeing with God. Tell God what you need, and then thank him for all that he has done. Now, here's how that plays out. Say your husband's sick. So, so you go to the father, and you say, Father, 
my husband is ill. He, he can't work. And so, Father, I'm telling you this need in our lives. I want you to know, I know, I know you know it's a need, and, and I know it's a need, Father. We're agreeing with that. Now, now, Father, I want to thank you. I want to thank you right now for one of two things. I want to thank you, Father, that, one, if you choose to heal my husband so he can work, thank you for that. I am grateful for that. But, Father, I want you to know something. That if somehow you choose not to heal my husband and he can't go to work, you and I are still okay. Regardless of the circumstances, God, we're still okay. I'm trusting you whether you heal him and give him a job or if you don't because we're, we're stressed. That, that song that we sang about, the God of Moses, the God of Jacob, the God of Mary, he's our God. Amen. He knows our needs and he'll meet those needs. Maybe not in your way, but in his way. In his way. How wonderfully powerful is that? Well, we get down to the last part of Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. It says, And stay alert, and stay alert with all perseverance. And Paul is big on this all word. You know, and stay alert with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. We need to stay alert. You remember, you remember when Jesus was in the garden, you know, he leaves the boys there and he says, Hey, boys, I want you to pray with me. I'm going over here and pray. I want you to stay here and pray for me. Oh, okay, Jesus, that's what we'll do. And they fall asleep. And Jesus comes back and says, Hey, wake up. Why is he? You couldn't watch, you know, couldn't watch him pray with me? Now, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Watch him pray. And here's why. You know, watch him pray that you don't enter into temptation. See, Jesus, watch, listen, are you listening? Jesus knew what was coming, so he said, boys, you need to watch and pray. Because there's something coming up that you're going to be really bigly, big tempted, okay? You really need to be alert and watch and pray. Hey, look, God knows what's going on in your life. And his message to you would be, hey, guys, watch and pray. Watch and pray. There's some difficult times in your life coming up. Now's the time to watch and to pray. Listen to what A.W. Tozer says. You know, here's our teaching point. Jesus instructs us to watch and pray. He instructs us to watch and pray. He knows the circumstances, okay? He's bigger than the circumstances, but he wants us to watch and pray that we don't enter into temptation, okay? A.W. Tozer said this. The creeping, now these, I love these words. The creeping wilderness. The creeping wilderness. I love that. We go down to Paducah a lot because Sarah lives down there and Blake lives down there and the grandsons are there. And it's on the way to to Jennifer's house. And as you go down 145 on the right, left-hand side, there is an old trailer there and there's a red Mercury Capri. I have watched over the last couple or three years as the car has slowly disappeared. I've watched as the house, the trailer, has slowly disappeared. You know what happened? The creeping wilderness. Slowly, the vines and the bushes and the trees have overtaken the car and the house. Ava Tozer says, the creeping wilderness will soon take over. Take over. That church or believer that trust in their own strength and forgets to watch and pray. That's so strong 
that's so strong. I'm telling you what, we need, we need to watch out for the creeping wilderness. How, how do you know if you're being overtaken by the creeping wilderness? This one got a groan in first service. Here's what I wrote. The chronic complainer is rarely a chronic prayer. If you find yourself complaining more than you're praying, the wilderness has got you. If you find yourself sinning more than shining, the wilderness has probably got you. When you find yourself, your calendar filled with things other than God, the wilderness has probably got you. When you find yourself totally negative, probably the wilderness has got you. The chronic wilderness, the creeping wilderness, will soon take over that church or believer that trusts in their own strength and forgets to watch and to pray. So what's our teaching point? We should apply the joy priority system to our prayers. Because, you know, he said, he said, you know, watch, stay alert with all perseverance and intercede for all the saints, all the saints. We should apply joy. We should pray for Jesus. We should pray for others. And then we should pray for ourselves. If we're going to intercede, if we're going to pray for others, if we're going to pray like Jesus wants us to pray, we need to pray adorations for him, Pray for others and then pray for ourselves. So, here we come. We've come to the wedding day. Okay, a match made in heaven. You know, Judy and I, I believe, are a match made in heaven. I had a couple of girlfriends before her, and we were talking the other day about what, what would it have looked like, what would my life have looked like if I had not married her. And, and I can't imagine. I really can't. Um, I believe Judy just happens to be. You know why? I, I know this, and you know this. Why have y'all put up with me for 22 years? It's because of her. You realize if I go, she goes. That's it. You know, that's why. She's just a, she's a wonderful pastor's wife. And I've got the microphone so I can say that. But here's the deal. We don't always agree. We don't. This match made in heaven thing doesn't, doesn't agree totally. Now, she happens to agree with my first one. You know, have y'all ever put t- tartar sauce and ketchup together? What are you laughing at? It's really, really good. You know, I, I don't know when I did it. Probably, I know we did it when we were married. So before that, I just learned if you mix tartar sauce and ketchup, it makes fish taste incredible. I mean, it really does. Now, sometimes the fish is so incredible by itself, I, you just don't do it. But generally speaking, yeah, it really is good. It works together. Okay? So, so that's a match made in heaven. But then there's salt on watermelon. What? And she, he, she tries to tell me, that salt makes watermelon sweeter. And I'm going, I'm eating it and going, I said, all I taste is salt. What's the deal? So we don't always agree. But one thing's great about matches made in heaven, don't always agree, but we do agree on this one thing, that when we combine prayer and the word of God, it's incredibly powerful. Now, someone said, this is our, our teaching point, you know, we should pray the word of God. Someone said, I have found that perhaps the most powerful way to pray is to pray God's word. I have found the most powerful way to pray is to pray the word of God. God has promised us that his word will not return void. It is powerful and it is right. So so what would happen if we took scriptures, particularly ones that we're familiar with and we can pray easily, what if we learned to pray the word of God back to God? What What if we built our prayer life around the word of God? 
Well, about a year or two ago, um, I latched on to several verses and started doing this in a more consistent way. And if you'll give me just a little bit of time, I don't have time to talk a lot about this. But I want to share with you again what's, what was happening in my life with my prayer. Because it helped my prayer life. It helped my prayer life. You know, the first thing I do is, you know, is Psalm 118.24. Psalm 18.24. This is the day that the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be exceedingly glad in it. And I pray something like this. Father, I want to know, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this day. I don't know how much of it, I'll just tell him. I don't know how much of it I'm going to get to live, but I thank you for this day that, that's dawning outside my door. And, and I want to thank you, God, because I acknowledge, now watch, are you listening? This is your day. It's not mine. It's your air that I breathe, and this is your day. Every second, every minute, and every hour belongs to you. So, so we need to decide then early in the day, praying this back to God. Hey, God, I want you to know something. You know, I, I, I won't give this thing to you. Okay, you've got to decide how much of the day are you going to give an hour to God? Or are you going to give three hours to God? Or are you going to acknowledge that's all His? This is the day the Lord hath made. This is the day the Lord hath made. I rejoice and be glad in it. God, I give it to you. I give it to you every second, every minute, every hour. And then, and then Psalm 37, I'm moving quickly. In Psalm 37, you know, this is my, one of my favorite verses. So I say, God, this is your day. And God, I believe. Somebody say, I believe. I believe. Somebody, I trust God. I trust God. God, I believe that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. This is your day. This is your day. And God, my steps today are not ordered by chance. They're not ordered by happenstance. They're not ordered by circumstance. God, I believe you order my steps. They may be easy steps, they may be hard steps, but I believe you order my steps. And God, I believe, as the verse says, that you delight in this way. You aren't going to like this. You see, sometimes God's way consists of the stomach flu. Because there's something He wants me to learn by the stomach flu. And then sometimes He just dumps a big old blessing on me. Because He wants me to learn something from the blessing. Listen, look at me. There are no accidents with God. Your day's not happenstance, circumstance. God orders your steps, and He's got things, and you get the privilege of believing and knowing that no matter what that looks like, you can trust Him. Amen. You can trust Him. The steps of good men are ordered by the Lord. He delights in His way. Watch, 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 watch. I love this part. Though He fall, though He fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. As I go through this day that belongs to God, and, and, and boy, let's say I trip and I fall, I bumble, I mess it up, I fall in a mud puddle, okay? Listen, if I fall down, if I sin, if I fail, I'm not going to be utterly cast down. God's not going to kick me like a Coke can to the gutter. You know what he's going to do? He's going to pick me up. Somebody say amen. Aren't you, aren't you glad you serve a pick-me-up God? Aren't you glad you got a God that don't kick you to the gutter but picks you up? Shoot that thing. That's better than tartar sauce and ketchup, I'll guarantee you. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. God, thank you as I give you this day as we journey. You're going to order my steps. And God, not only going to order my steps, but you're going to extend your grace in a big way that if I stumble and fall, God, you're not going to kick me to the curb. You're going to pick me up. And God, I'm glad to know the power of a verse that says, 
all things work together for good. To those who love God, who are the called according to His purpose. Romans 8, 28. God, no matter what happens today, you are going to bring good. If it's the stomach flu, it's the stomach flu. If it's a big blessing, it's a blessing. Father, I believe, I believe, and I know that God's going to call everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose. Wow. And then finally, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. It's one we've learned over the, over the years together, last two or three years particularly. That Father, help me today to rejoice always. Help me to live a day filled with joy. Now, again, do you remember what joy means? Do you remember? A deep sense of well-being based on my faith in God and trust in the sovereign will. I can have a deep sense of well-being today because I trust you. God, help me to pray constantly today. As I bump into people who need prayers, don't, don't make me wait. Don't, don't let me wait to tonight. Teach me to pray through the day. Teach me to pray through the day. And then, Father, help me be grateful. Help me not to be jealous of what other people have, but be thankful for what you've given to me. That's a good place for an amen. Lord, help me not to be jealous of what other people have, but to be thankful for what you've given me. And by the way, I need to tell you, see that prayer constantly thing? That's where Acts really comes in. That's where you pray your supplications. Okay? That, that's where you pray, you know, pray for others, pray for yourself, pray for your needs. That's where that comes in. Let me close, close with one more quote. It's from Hudson Taylor, again, the father of modern missions. He says, you know, do not have, this is really good. Do not have your concert first and then tune your instrument afterwards. Wouldn't that make no sense? What if, what if Trey was up here with his guitar, okay, and he waited until after the service to tune his guitar? That would make no sense, would it? Okay, so he says, don't have your concert first and then tune your instrument afterwards. Begin the day with the word of God and prayer and get first of all into harmony with him. Um, I know some, some people are early. I wake up at 4.30 every day. 4.30 every day. Some of you guys, that's just not the way you do things, okay? First time I've said this from the pulpit, even if you're not a morning person, try your best to tune your instrument first thing in the morning. I know some people say, well, I like to have my quiet time at the end of the day. That's, that's okay, but, but you're looking back asking God to bless your mess. It's better to pray in the morning, ask God to keep you from the mess. Does that make sense? Makes sense? Okay, that's it. We're done. All right, so, so here's the deal. Here's the deal. This is available in the worship event. Open it up, hit save, so you'll have this, all right? This is one of those practical sermons that your pastor believes can impact our lives, our lives. Sometimes you leave going, well, he didn't really give me anything to do. I gave you something to do today. And I'm telling you, when you wed, when you get that match made in heaven and you get the word of God and prayer together, it is a force to be reckoned with. And by the way, don't know this right away. Satan knows that. He hates that. So when you try to do this, don't be surprised if he bumps all over you. Don't give in. Don't give in. Stay strong. Would you bow your heads, please? Thank you so much for listening today. Thank you so much for listening. Today, we talked a little bit about the gospel, didn't we? We talked about confession, agreeing with God about our sin, repentance. 
We talked a little bit about the cross. Jesus was going to die on the cross. He did that for all of us. And my friend Brent's going to be standing down front. And I want to tell you up blunt, bluntly, you don't need religion, you don't need church, and you don't need to be a Baptist. You need Jesus. You need Jesus. And, man, we would love today to tell you about our best friend, Jesus. For different people in different times, you know, for me it was about 46 years ago. But the day I met Jesus was the greatest day of my life. And Brent would love to tell you, I would love to tell you, about our friend Jesus. But for most of us today, the challenge is a little bit different, isn't it? It's about, will we have a desperation for prayer? Will this be the air that I breathe? Will this be desperate for you? If you're too busy to pray, you're too busy. Would you carve out time, starting today, starting now, time for you and God to have time together and wed together the Word of God and prayer. Thanks, Lord. It's been my privilege to share this today. Burn it into our hearts. Help us to be desperate for you. And then help us to feed that desperation with the power of prayer and your Word. And Jesus, I pray this in your precious name. Amen.